anything out of the box, you just want to go for it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another one of Hashing It Out's personal episodes. Um, and today, we're actually going to get personal with Stephen Pear from BitPay. How you doing, Stephen? Good. How you doing, Dave? I'm I'm plenty good, you know. It's pretty good Monday here in the state. Uh, you know, we just lost an hour of sleep, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm I'm go I'm having a good start to the week. So if you could, uh, either brief or long-winded, however you want to tell stories, you can, because you uh, reintroduce yourself to our audience here at Hashing It Out. Uh, sure. Well, my name is Stephen Pear, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of BitPay. Uh, BitPay is a company that's been around since 2011 uh, and processing crypto payments, um, starting with Bitcoin only. It was the only crypto in, in those days. Um, but uh, we now support about 14 or so different cryptocurrencies uh, on the platform. And uh, yeah, been doing this this for a little while now. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're what uh, they call in crypto an OG, right? <laughs> or do you call yourself an OG or you can't now? It's too, you know. That's not. I, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> it was probably like at the first conference in 20, actually 2011, I think there was one in uh, New York. About 50 people showed up to that one. So I guess that qualifies. Nice. Do you, um, well, uh, have you personally found that it's, it's getting, is it getting harder to, to run a company in crypto that kind of aligns with some of those original tenants of crypto, or is it just uh, a welcome to challenge of how we had to adapt uh, for to cross that chasm into like, you know, mass adoption? Uh, I don't, I don't think the challenge is any different than it was a decade ago or so uh, in that regard. Um, you know, it. Uh, uh, you know, for me at least it's just, all, you know, really always been about, you know this new technology we have, and and, and how um, how it can be applied to make make uh, make things better for people. Awesome. Um, I think it was like right around last year, or the year before, we're in crypto. We started throwing around this phrase, custodial wallet, self custody, uh, mm -hmm. third party custody. Um, I for one think those terms are a little too technical for the everyday user, but we we're, we've now embraced them. Where we're going full tilt with them. Um, how does BitPay kind of allow users to maintain some of their custody of their funds that they use with the BitPay wallet? Yeah, we've always, you know, our wallet, we've always taken a self-custodial approach. So, um, and, and part of that was really just mitigating our risk as a company. Um, you know, it was very unclear a decade or so ago whether, you know, a company like ours would be allowed to custody Bitcoin for somebody. Uh, you know, and still be in compliance with regulations and whatnot. And so, you know, for that reason, we didn't uh, build a custodial service. And and also just, and, and part of it was just on principle, you know, we felt like, you know, people should have possession of their own. Uh, uh, and then, uh, and then uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, so we've always been in that sort of self-custodial camp. Also, we, you know, in those days, um, you had Mt. Gox and others that were getting hacked and, um, 
you know, money stolen out of these accounts and uh, just for our own, um, not wanting to be like a target and wanting it to, you know, take a, take it really uh, kind of a step at a time with our company and what we were comfortable with doing. Um, we elected, you know, not to take, uh, you know, custody of people's Bitcoin because uh, we felt like it would make us a target. And, um, you know, it's a big responsibility to take on that amount of, you know, a lot, a large amount of deposits from people and, and, and manage that well from a cybersecurity perspective. And, uh, and also just, you know, as we see with what happened with the banks this weekend, just a, you know, investment perspective and making sure those deposits are covered. So sorry, my dogs are losing it right now. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep them calm. Ah, podcasting. Okay. All right. So I'm so sorry about that. Um, so let's run it back just a little bit. Um, my dogs were going bananas. I heard the very last part that you said, um, referencing what happened just this past weekend with, um, uh, Silicon Valley bank. Uh, so, so I'm going to try to patch us in with another question and hopefully Christian, you're going to be able to smooth this out. Um, my next question was going to be, um, do you, what was it that initially pushed you into like, okay, you've learned about Bitcoin, you, you fully understand it. What was it that pushed you to like, okay, well now I need to be the founder of the largest Bitcoin processing uh, company on the, like, well, I don't think that's what you thought when you first started, but like, why was it, why did you see such a need for, okay, there needs to be Bitcoin payment processing that makes it easy for, for users, easy for the, you know, every day. Yeah. So my co-founder and I, Tony, um, he and I were, uh, so we went to college together. Um, I, you know, I'm a computer scientist, you know, studied computer science at Georgia tech and was, uh, a big fan of something called DigiCash back in the day. that was like early 1990s. And it was a cryptographic payment system, the first cryptographic payment system. And, uh, but it was centralized and, when DigiCash went bankrupt, that payment system went went away, uh, and uh, you know that I, I got really intrigued by that that notion. And back in those days, there wasn't really a money for the internet. I mean, people were just starting to kind of use. Actually, they weren't using credit cards yet on the internet, um, so there wasn't really a money for the a payment system native to the internet. And I just got fascinated by that topic, and then started just studying money in general and central banking, the history of central banking, and all that kind of stuff, and just just became very, um, you know, interested in the topic. And, uh, and, you know, I had been sort of watching projects or seeking out projects that were trying to do something in the aftermath of uh, DigiCash going uh, bankrupt. You know, it, it, I was just seeking out other projects that were kind of trying to do something like that. Um, and even with DigiCash, it was while well, I used cryptography, uh, to, to secure the payment system, it was still centralized. So they didn't really, DigiCash didn't really solve that problem of centralization. Um, but when it went bankrupt, um, I think a lot of people started thinking, well, how, how could you really build a payment system for the internet that what didn't require like one company to process all the payments? And 
And so, yeah, I just got fascinated with that. And, um, you know, to, uh, by the time Bitcoin came around, you know, so you fast forward from early 1990s to now late 2010, you know, 20, 2000s and 2009, when the blockchain launched, I heard about Bitcoin. I kind of dismissed it early on. Uh, I think actually studying a lot about money and banking, you know, I kind of thought in those with those early headlines around Bitcoin, it was like run an algorithm and generate money. And I was like, well, what's the constraint on that? <laughs> and, you know, I just didn't think much of it at the time. Uh, and so it wasn't until late 2010 that I really started studying. I read the Satoshi white paper uh, and then I realized what mining was all about and uh, securing the payment system. And, and that's when the light bulbs went off. I was like, this could be really huge in it. And it also coincided with, you know, with a, a point in time where I was ready to get back into a small company. I, I'd had the most fun in my career working in a small company. And, and so uh, even prior to starting BitPay, I've been, and unrelated to Bitcoin, I'd been trying to think of, you know, different things like different small, you know, companies that I could start, different products I could build, uh, you know, and just started, had been thinking in that direction already. Uh, and then in the aftermath of 08, um, I reconnected with Tony. We knew he, we went to college together, knew each other from college. I reconnected with him around the aftermath of 08. He and I were both trading options and different things like that. And you know, just kind of reconnected. Actually, we can thank Facebook for that. And, um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, I told him about, you know, Bitcoin and probably early 2011 and, uh, you know, he was kind of dismissive of it at first as well. Um, and I started trying to, I, I was mining, I you know, bought all the graphics cards in, in Atlanta and <laughs> built up mining rigs. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so one thing led to another, he and I started talking about this. I'm like, this, this is really, there's something here. I want to figure out a company around this, a way that I can do something and, and get back into a small company. I didn't even necessarily need to start a company, but I just wanted to get back into a small company. And this was an, a technology that was really exciting to me. And, and so, uh, you know, I tried a couple of different things and, and Tony and I started talking a little bit more about it. And, um, you know, there are already uh, quite a few exchanges. There's Mount Gox and others at that time. And we, we felt like we wanted to build something, a platform that enabled people to, you know, utilize the technology for what it, what it was built for and derive, you know, real value out of it as opposed to um, the exchanges at the time, which are providing a valuable service, but they were catering to people that were investing and speculating on the future rather than, than actually creating that future. And, and so that, that was the genesis of the idea. Tony actually, you know, wrote me an email, uh, you know, talking about let's start a company called BitPay and, um, Actually, I'm not sure he thought of the name yet, but he wrote an email, long email about the concept. And, and uh, I, I replied back, sure, you know, let's do it. And that was the start of the company. Nice. That was, you know, May, April or May 2011. Man, it's, it's wild how time flies. I, I have a few bid pay wallets since then. Um, have you, I have a question for you. You said that Tony was uh, dismissive. Now we're, you know, fast forward, what? 12 years from 2011 or 13 come on math do me right 12 years yeah so do you uh do you still find even with like you know you all have had immense success at bitpay 
do you still find people are dismissive when you first introduce them to, to crypto, to Bitcoin? Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. God. And, you know, I don't, I, you know, back in the day, I used to spend a lot of time, you know, explaining why this is, a, you know, a, a big thing and, and, and an important thing. Um, but uh, I do less and less of that. There's a lot of people out there that, that do that and do it well. Um, but yes, absolutely. Today, you know, it, it, it's still, uh, still happens, you know, yeah. different, uh, friends in different circles or acquaintances that I come across and, uh, you know, that, uh, don't really know a lot about it, but actually are su successful people. And, um, I mean, some of them like absolutely hate Bitcoin. They're like that, you know, they, they hate the concept of crypto and they think it should be made illegal and banned and, and whatnot. It's crazy, but, um, these are otherwise intelligent people. Uh, but you know, they just don't haven't really thought, I don't, I don't think, uh, en enough about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of tons of misconceptions out there even still today. Absolutely. I, I found like the less friction that people have in, you know, the traditional system, uh, the more likely they are to be, very apprehensive and just some, like you said, dismissive. Yeah. Right? They're like, yeah, no, that's not, and I have no problems. I have no problems. So, uh, but anyways, um, this one's going to be an outside of the box question. Maybe you've heard it before me, Kevin. What's the most frivolous thing that you've bought with crypto that now would be worth thousands of dollars? That now would be worth thousands of dollars. Well, <laughs> Um, I mean, I always joke that my house I'm sitting in right now uh, is a 20, 20 or $30 million house. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's my you know, I, well, yeah. I mean, but you, know, <laughs> you don't, I mean, you have to diversify. You can't like, you know, as you, you know, I made an investment in, in Bitcoin and, and, uh, it obviously grew. And when that grows and it becomes a significant part of your, you know, savings, um, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of a little bit um, foolish not to diversify out of that. And uh, uh, even if you do think there's a great chance it's going to go to a million dollars one day, right? Mm -hmm. um, diversification is still uh, a wise thing to do, even today. You know, it's like, uh, I don't think about it in those terms, but but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I joke. And I don't consider, that's not really a frivolous purchase. Uh, so, you know, I think a home is, is a good thing to own. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm talking about a bag of chips. You got any thousand dollar bags of chips? No, you know, I just, I don't, I don't tend to be frivolous. I, I don't, I don't buy the fancy cars or whatever. And, um, I, I'm just not, just not exciting in that way, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think what's, what might be frivolous that I purchased along the way. I mean, there, there are things that I've, I've spent more money than I, I otherwise would have on, of course, but, mm. um, maybe vacations and things like that that we spend more on nowadays, but, um, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing that was just like off the Oof. wall. See, I have some stomach churners in 2017. I paid my cell phone bill and my rent and Bitcoin the whole year, just out of spite. Really? Yeah. Like I was telling my family, like, hi, you should have gone on board. Look at me now. I told you this stuff is real. And looking yeah. back on it now, Probably shouldn't have done that. But. Well, so a lot of people talk about spend. So it's, a, it's a really interesting topic because everybody talks about, well, you should be a hodler and you shouldn't be spending and all this kind of stuff. And 
I always say, I always tell people, you're not a true hodler unless you have nothing but Bitcoin to spend. <laughs> if, and, and if you want to eat, if you want to have lunch or dinner, you're going to have to spend Bitcoin because it's all you have. That's a true hodler, right? Um, so at, at some point, you you know, your hunger outweighs the need to hang on to, to Bitcoin and, and let's see, see how far it will, will run. Um, so... Uh, so spending on on that, well, if all you had was Bitcoin, then the only option you had to pay for that that bill was uh, was to use Bitcoin. Um, but people talk about, well, why would anybody want to spend anything when uh, you know when if the price is going to continue going up? And and the answer to that is, well, you know, you have to live your life. Uh, you need to have a place to live. You need to put food on the table. Um, you have to buy a car, transportation, vacations, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you can't, you can't live in a house built out of Bitcoin. You can't, you can't take vacations to, you know, Bitcoin Island. <laughs> it's like, you've got to, you've got to spend it. Right. Um, and in the case where you really wanted to hold on to the Bitcoin, you probably didn't have enough Bitcoin yet. So you probably should have had a little more Bitcoin uh, in your savings that, uh, so that you would have felt good about spending some of it, you know, when the price went up and, you know, pay that bill with, with Bitcoin. Uh, so maybe you had a little too much Bitcoin that you wanted to get rid of, or what a lot of people do is they spend and replenish, uh, which to me is a little, a little silly. If you know, you're going to have a, um, you know, you could look out three months and you say, I've got these bills and those bills, then why not go ahead and get Bitcoin now? And, uh, then use it to pay for things and you don't necessarily need to replenish. You're just using it to pay for things. Um, but even, but even that sort of spend and replenish idea is good in the sense that it, it forces you to go out and find places that will accept your Bitcoin that you can use it to buy things. And it creates mm -hmm. more activity and more, uh, you know, it helps the Bitcoin economy as it were. And, uh, um, and if you, everybody was out there trying to spend their Bitcoin on things, even if they were spend and then replenish, um, you know, it, it might be a little extra work for you to do that replenishment and do it that way. Um, but you're at least helping drive and, 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 uh, um, you know, create that Bitcoin economy. And that's a good thing. You know, it, it helps, uh, you know, if everybody was doing that, then you'd have a lot more places that accepted Bitcoin and, and, uh, um, you know, it just, just makes it easier to, to live your life in crypto. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's slow moving. I think there's two States now that even let you pay your taxes in Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, oh, was it Oklahoma and Dakota, Idaho? Anyway, I know it's one of the Northern States in the U S but anyway, I don't think I would. But there's some people out there paying their taxes with Bitcoin, one or two. Um, what? So what? There's thousands of tokens, right? Like thousands of currencies, which is part of the hardest part of, you know, what I do. Podcasting, everybody naturally in my personal life comes to me. You know, what should I do? What? How do I? And I've, I'm almost at a point where I'm like, don't talk to me about it. I don't want to. I'm not giving any advice. You're just going to have to read the papers. But out of the thousands of tokens and quote unquote currencies, uh, BitPay has kept kind of a lower number of ones that they process, um, which is a good thing. I think like how come you're so stringent about what you do and don't process? And, um, you know, yeah, that's a, that's basically the question. Why, why so stringent? Well, I don't think we're going to see thousands of coins take off as 
you know, payment methods. And uh, uh, we, we try to look at the coins that have high market cap, a lot of interest, you know, Ethereum, uh, you know, um, USDC, some of the stable coins that we support, uh, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, um, just the ones that are sort of in the top of the, the list there in terms of market cap, uh, because market cap is kind of a reflection of interest and adoption. And, uh, and then they, they need to also be good for actual payments. Uh, so, but, but I don't think you're going to see like a thousand different payment options. What you will see are, uh, you know, more and more options, more and more ability to convert from one token to another, that'll become easier and easier in either a centralized exchange or a decentralized exchange. Um, and what people will do is just, they'll just need to convert into whichever token is, is accepted for payment. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's basically it. So we kind of look at it like, what do our merchants want? Um, what are they asking us for? There've been a few we've added just because a pro high profile merchant wanted it. Um, not necessarily we had any conviction about it being, you know, have, have being a great payment method or a great, you know, having a huge amount of adoption. Um, but it's kind of what our, what do our customers want? Um, uh, and, and oftentimes our customers are, you know, when we're in a competitive situation, trying to win a customer, they're looking at what we offer versus what another payment processor would offer. And so we also have to take that into consideration that our competitors might be offering, uh, some tokens that we don't and, uh, and that might matter to some of our customers. And, and so, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how we think about those things. Nice. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm definitely uh, a proponent of Bitcoin specifically. I think, uh, you know, I think the technology there is, is solid. I think um, the, you know, it doesn't change very, you know, it's, it's pretty stable in how it works and well understood how it works. And, uh, you know, and, and yet, you know, as bullish as I am on Bitcoin, uh, it doesn't mean that Bitcoin is is not susceptible to competition, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's but, definitely ossified, yeah. or it's getting that way. Bitcoin is doesn't yeah. change very much, except for recently this ordinals thing, which is boring, but for some reason everyone is loving it. And that's been a debate since forever. Like, am <laughs> in the blockchain? Uh, Did you I mean, get the I, I don't understand it. It's like, all right, we've always had this ability. We've had this ability forever. Now they're doing a little bit more with it. Um, you know, adding a little bit more capability to it, but you've always had this ability to just stick random data into the blockchain and fill up blocks if you want to. But, um, you know, but miners don't have to mine it, you know, and they can say they can prioritize, you know, uh, transactions however they want to pr prioritize them. And uh, ultimately, people have to pay for that data going into the blockchain. And, you know, if they're willing to pay for it, you know, you know, who can argue with that, right? I think you're pretty much saying right now without me having to ask, I have not done, I have not participated in any of the Ordinals Bitcoin yeah. NFT project. That's okay, because I haven't either. I don't see the, I don't, I don't know. NFTs are still trying to win me over. I guess. Well, I think NFTs have, I mean, the use cases I think of are like ticketing. You buy a ticket to an event that's an, that can be represented as an NFT. You can build technology around that to, 
you know, issue the tickets, to redeem the tickets, you know, to be able to trade them on secondary markets and things like that. That's a, that's a very straightforward, uh, in my opinion, use case for an NFT. Um, what I don't get are the, the NFTs that are just pictures. Um, you know, there's what, what actual capability or what kind of right are you getting when you buy that NFT? Uh, I mean, because other people can copy the image. It's not like there's any restrictions on that. Um, and yeah, I think that's the question to ask with, NF, with an NFT. It's like, what capability, what rights does this confer to me if I own it? What can I do with it? Either functionally, can I make it do things, this NFT, or can I, um, you know, I, I also think about like Jack Dorsey did an NFT, right? Where he, uh, uh, I think, auctioned off as an NFT his first tweet. I'm like, well, everybody knows what his first tweet was, although I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, um, but what, why would you want to own that as an NFT? I mean, like maybe, maybe if that NFT came with, and I think, it, I think he sold it for like two and a half million dollars. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. But what, so I always ask the question, if with that NFT, you got the right to have a lunch with Jack Dorsey once a year, then that's worth something. And so having that NFT would have value. But as it is, what does it mean to own a tweet? I mean, especially when everybody knows what that tweet was. Um, I don't get it. Yeah. Maybe it's just that people aren't thinking creatively enough about that last mile, like you mentioned. I mean, if if it unlocks something or it does something, then yeah. it's valuable. But there's not a lot that do yeah. right now. So I guess I guess we shall see. The BitPay, can you hold NFTs in BitPay wallet? I'm sure. Uh, no, we, our wallet's strictly cryptocurrencies. It's um, got not not. not We've not dabbled into the NFT space. We haven't discussed that though, because fundamentally what the wallet does is protect private keys. And, um, you know, we've, we've thought about expanding and, and making it possible to do things with NFTs in the wallet. Um, but with our wallet, we've traditionally tried to focus on, you know, the payments use case and people that want to conduct payments and um, just making that whole process as painless as possible. And, uh, and, and a lot less painless than I, you know, credit card transaction in, in many ways. Nice. There's a, you mentioned something there. We've had discussions about it. What has been one of the hardest things you've had to say no to as CEO of BitPay? Or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like a lot of people think it's always like, oh, I'm making plans. I'm in the public. I'm giving talks. But a lot of times from the leadership standpoint, it's things that are hard to say no to that you have to say no, no to. That's- you know, keep things going. So what is that? Yeah. What was it? Steve Jobs used to say that the most important decisions that they ever made were what they're not going to do. Um, so I don't know. I, what do we have to say? I mean, there's a lot of things that we would like to do. We just don't have the bandwidth to do them right now. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, a lot of times it's been like the Litecoin community forever, <laughs> you know, Charlie Lee forever was saying, you know, you need to take Litecoin. You need to you need to do Litecoin, and and we were like, well, we will. We want to, <laughs> but we've also got these other things that we've got to do. And uh, eventually, we did. We finally added Litecoin, and I, I'll tell you, to their credit, it's now like the number two payment uh, token uh, behind Bitcoin on the platform uh, mm-hmm. by count. Um, they spend Litecoin users tend to spend less than Bitcoin users. Uh, you know, naturally, transactions for a smaller amount. Um, 
you know, but by count, it's it's a solid number two behind Bitcoin for sure. Yeah, when I very first started mining, I was mining Litecoin, and mm-hmm. man, I was a believer. I would have had like a Litecoin jersey if they made it. Yeah. Um, lo and behold, it's still like kicking, and it's I call it like the Bitcoin test net. But yeah. I mean, it, it does. Litecoin is an amazing token. It's just like slow churning, just doing yeah. what it exactly what it said it was going to do. So, uh, um. It's interesting. So it was a no on Litecoin until it was like, all right, now it's a good, now it's a good time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things like that. I mean, that we would love to do that. And we plan to do, we just have, have to prioritize. Nice. Are we going to see, you know, like sometimes I go over websites, I buy things. And then when I'm checking out, I see, you know, uh, yeah. all these payment processing card symbols and I see the little PayPal symbol, how long until we see the proliferated BitPay symbol all over the web? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, we're working on it. That's all I think. Uh, <laughs> we have been working on it for a long time. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, you know, that's, we would love to do that. Right. And make that happen. Uh, you know, but we've been, um, pretty successful in signing up merchants. It's the other side of the equation though, is we've got to get people actually transacting with crypto and, and more activity on, on that side of it. Um, I think people have figured out how to buy crypto, invest in crypto, and they do it with whatever tools, whatever platforms they use, but they don't really think, most people don't think too much about using it for actual commerce. You know, mm-hmm. the cases where they do, it does come up is where, you know, it's um, people that are unbanked, uh, people international transactions where it's just uh, too risky for the merchant to accept a traditional credit card. Um, you know, so cross-border transactions. Um, you know, and then uh, what we do a lot of are luxury goods. You know, we talked about the frivolous purchases. We do sell a lot of the exotic cars, a lot of the yachts. I mean, you know, when you know we have a lot of yacht yacht dealers, believe it or not, on our platform. Um, when the price of crypto, you know, when the price of Bitcoin is high and at its peak, people want to buy things like that. And uh, we have a lot of the private jet charter companies on our platform. So people charter private jets uh, with crypto. So, um, uh, and I think, I think the reason for that is that you do have people that have made investments that uh, those investments go up and they find they, they want to spend that crypto and they want to, um, and we do make it a lot easier than if you were to actually move that crypto to an exchange, sell it, withdraw it, and then make the payment. You know, that, that's a lot of steps there and a lot of hassle. Mm-hmm. You just use a part of what you, your investment, part of your investment to make that purchase. And we can make that a simple process. That's a lot easier for a lot of people. I would hope that you guys continue fighting that long-term fight because I like, I'll just say this as a user, I've used BitPay's services before and it is very smooth. It's like so smooth when like the merchant takes it and yeah. you've got BitPay, it's like click, click, boom. But that takes, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. But thank you for your uh, and there's, uh, Yeah. To that point, there are many different wallets we have to test. There's mm-hmm. many different chains, many different tokens. Um, there's a lot of operational stuff, all the, all the tokens that we support. Are subject to an exchange rate, and we have to be able be able to sell and, and and market those, you know, take those to exchanges and sell them and liquidate them to to pay the merchants. Um, 
Yeah, we do have a lot of merchants that take crypto and sometimes we're converting from one, you know, Litecoin to Bitcoin because a merchant wants to take Bitcoin as settlement. Um, and, and of course we support that. Uh, but operationally, there's a lot going on there behind the scenes, a lot of testing, you know, all the different wallets. We try to support as many as we can. And, and we work, constantly work on the, um, you know, our messaging, you know, on the invoice, you know, when, you know, maybe this wallet has a few quirks and you got to do things a certain way. And uh, we try to try to do our best to make it so that they don't have errors in, in the wallet. Good deal. So that's that there needs to be more efforts like that in crypto. I swear. And then but, we got like Lightning Network, which um, was quite a bit of work for us to implement that as well. Um, but is that going it, smooth? The yeah, network implementation. it works great. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're going to continue building on that too. So I found it's, um, I guess, the mental leap that I can't get over with the Lightning Network is is like you can go to a merchant say, hey, do you take Bitcoin? But then you have to ask that follow-up, do you take Bitcoin yeah. Lightning? And they're like, uh, what? And it's like, uh, there's still some work to do there as far as messaging, but Bitcoin Lightning is starting to work really, really. Well, if they take BitPay, um, you know, it, it, uh, it's transparent to them. So the merchant takes all the tokens, all the coins, all the, all the um, you know, technologies that we support. So, um, if they're using BitPay, then they automatically get that lightning support and you don't really have to ask that any more questions beyond that. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Lightning where, where I think lightning, we have work to do with lightning is making it more self custodial. Actually, most of the wallets out there and our, and the BitPay wallet does not support it yet. Um, but it will. And, uh, um, but there's not a lot of options out there as far as if you want to use the Lightning Network in a truly self-custodial fashion. So you typically have to deposit um, money with like, you know, one, one of the Strike or, you know, or Cash App or somebody like that. So, that you're, you're, so they're holding your money and then they're using the Lightning Network to actually make the payment. Mm. Well, we that's something that we've learned recently here a few times is that's not the best option. So if you're listening to the show, self-custody is the way to go. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to plan that rhyme. That just kind of happened. Anyways, let's keep, <laughs> it let's keep it moving. Um, this is back to kind of a more personal question. Crypto takes a lot of heavy hits, a lot of body blows, uh, as boxers would say. Has there ever been a time? Where you were like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on an infinite sabbatical. I mean, we've had most <laughs> recently this year with all that. That wasn't this year, sorry. That was last year. The SBF nonsense. Uh, there was, of course, Mount Gox. You were here for that. That's when I first kind of got in. That Mount Gox happened a couple months after I had gotten into crypto. Like it takes some severe hits. Uh, yeah. If you haven't thought of an infinity sabbatical, uh, what is it that keeps you going? I just have fun. I mean, I, I enjoy the challenge of it. I enjoy uh, just working on it. I would, it'd be tough for me to imagine what I would do if I wasn't doing working on this. And, you know, and I still believe in the, in the future, right? If I didn't believe that eventually the world was going to be doing not, you know, payments on blockchains, but, but practically everything else we do anywhere, there's a, a need for a database, you know, it's going to be a blockchain of some kind. Um, if I didn't believe that I, I would, I would go find something else to do. Um, so I, I just enjoy that and being, you know, trying to, 
trying to be a part of some, you know, something exciting and big. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there have been times along the way where I've questioned, you know, it's been, it, you mentioned it's, it, it's taken a lot of body blows over the years. Um, you know, we've fortunately sidestepped a lot of those, um, uh, partially by just, you know, staying kind of small, uh, and not, not trying to get too, a little too big and, uh, just being erring on the conservative side of things, not taking big deposit, you know, not becoming a big depository institution, for example, is one, one example of that. But, um, you know, I think Mount Gox was interesting when that happened, we, we saw that coming a mile away and, you know, what was happening from our perspective was, you know, we, we need to take in crypto. And at that time it was really just Bitcoin. Um, we need to take in the Bitcoin. We need to sell it. Um, we had several exchanges we used, but Mt. Gox was one of them. And, uh, and then we need to withdraw it. And then we need to pay our merchants. Most of our merchants were getting settled in dollars or euros or uh, something other than Bitcoin. And so, and, and our service, we want to pay the merchant the very next day. So they get a payment today. They are going to get a settlement tomorrow or when, as long as the banks are open that day. And what was happening there with Mt. Gox was it was just getting longer and the delays and getting a withdrawal were becoming longer and longer. And we were having to float more and more money in that process in order to keep paying our merchant immediately. And it got to a point where it was getting to, to be like a couple of weeks before we, our withdrawals would get processed. And, and so at that point we decided, you know, we can no longer use Mt. Gox, which was really unfortunate because they had the highest, you know, exchange rate. So mm-hmm. We could give buyers uh, a better price when we could use Mt. Gox, but that meant we actually had to be able to sell Bitcoin on Mt. Gox and withdraw it. And and so we finally said, you know, we we, we can't do this. I mean, this is getting to be too uh, too long and too concerning. And so we put out a statement that where we were going to no longer um, incorporate Mt. Gox pricing into the into our exchange rates that, that we we use, uh, which meant like five or 10% less, um, below what Mt. Gox was. And, uh, um, but we also thought people would read between the lines and understand there's a real problem there with Mt. Gox because they're mm-hmm. not processing. And we explained that it's because we're at, you know, we're not getting withdrawals in a timely fashion things like that. Um, but it took probably another year after that. Nobody, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we didn't want to come out you know, and, and outright accuse Mt. Gox of not having the money backing all of their deposits mm. and, uh, or having, having problems there. And, uh, but we did think people would read between the lines, but it took a whole other year before Mt. Gox, you know, after that, uh, the Mt. Gox finally, um, you know, it came to the, to a reckoning. Oh yeah. It's happened those you know it's it's you kind of see the warning signs right absolutely and there was uh what is it ftx that one that was another one that just kind of i mean i think it's gonna happen time and time and time again especially like what with what's happened just as of this weekend with you know silicon valley bank they it's almost like we, we uh, on that side of the finance world, the crypto companies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like we're totally okay with everybody. Almost knows, like, oh yeah, there's no money in that bank. 
but yeah. it's a bank. So, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I don't want to get into all that, but it's very funny how we're, we're, we actually absolutely need the crypto exchanges. You got to have that money in there. Um, but cause there's no bailouts coming for you guys. So, yeah. um, well, I, I guess we can, we can begin to wrap here. We have a couple of trademark questions that we typically ask. Uh, and these questions are trademarked audience. So don't try to steal our stuff. Um, <laughs> the first is, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, no, I don't think so. You know, there's, I mean, I could go on for hours and talk about this stuff, but, uh, Oh, do we no. need part two? We'll, we'll work with your people. We'll get a part two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing new, exciting, nothing fun coming out of BitPay. You know, I mean, most of the exciting stuff, at least this week is around all that Silicon Valley bank stuff. Oh so, yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm super self custodial. Uh, especially I mean, you know, if you are, then a lot of this stuff just didn't bother you. You weren't troubled by it. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's so we profess in our like community for our podcast. Uh, we, we tell them, you know, get a hardware wallet, learn the hard stuff. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Be patient. You'll be fine. Uh, the other question uh, usually comes from our co-host Jesse and he asks, uh, is what you do difficult? It's what I do difficult. Yep. Um, no, no, it's not difficult. Um, you're like the first to ever say that. So congratulations. I mean, do we have challenges? Yes. But, um, uh, but they're fun challenges. Uh, I, I mean, when I think difficult, I think not fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're challenges and you just work through those. Um, it, there's a lot to what we do, um, a lot to what BitPay does. Um, but what I do every day, I mean, it's so much fun. I don't even think about, you know, the other side of it. So nice. Yeah. That's just good. But usually everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. I can't sleep. I don't know how my eyes are open. I glue my <laughs> eyelashes. Like, anyways. Um, and the last question is in, in 10 words or less, can you describe BitPay? Sure. Um, BitPay is uh, the world's oldest crypto company and we process uh, crypto payments for merchants. And, uh, and we also have our BitPay wallet where uh, if you want to store your crypto in a self-custodial wallet and use it for payments, it's a great option. Um, yeah, that's basically what we do. We can also do payroll. We can also do payroll. You can do payroll now. That's good. Yep. That's good. That's one thing I did not know about BitPay, which is actually awesome because I'm finding some of my employees uh, are like, hey, can I can I get paid in crypto? And I was like, that's the first time I heard that in a decade. So, uh, you know, something to spin up. But uh, you blew the 10 words out of the water, by the way. Uh, you, oh. you were like at like 50, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, at least it was succinct. So, so we got that. Uh, Stephen Pear, thank you very much uh, for coming on Hatching Out Personals. And uh, sorry that your frivolous home purchase is now worth so 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 much more. more. I'm so, 